Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 370 of Linux in the Hampshire, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. Tearing up the intertube waves for the last nearly 12 years. Uh, it's hard to believe sometimes, but we've done this 370 times and we're going to keep going and I don't know who knows when it'll end. But anyway, I guess we'll go ahead and start by introducing ourselves for this short topic episode. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Charles W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD. And somewhere lurking in the shadows. Beside a cardboard box near the train tracks, somewhere in northeast Texas, there's another voice we might hear tonight. Tell you what, uh, (laughs) I had this whole big thing. Let me do my thing. Uh, Okay, okay, do your thing. (laughs) The sleeper awakens in the wave radio wasteland. His voice echoes through the halls of history. Hello, everybody. This is Richard, KB5JBV. I'm a little late. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have been on the show, if I remember correctly. You've been on twice since... The last couple of years. Yeah, well, twice since his uh, official departure back in episode 100. All right. Um, but it's good to have you back. I know you've been going through some life issues lately, so I'm glad those are starting to work themselves out, and it's good to hear you again. If anybody hasn't listened to the show from the very beginning, and I suspect there are many of you who have not. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, Richard is actually the brainchild of this child. <laughs> so, um, don't, don't be silly. I have no brain. <laughs> brainless child. There you this go. Child. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, good to have you back and we're just going to roll right into it. We don't have a lead topic for tonight, except that uh richard's here i guess that can be our lead that's topic, topic yeah. <laughs> and um we don't know what that's going to mean but we'll find out as the evening goes along and we guess we'll go ahead and start with some amateur radio topics and we'll let bill have the first one sure it's uh the rac canada 2020 conference presentations now available for view radio amateurs of canada would like to thank all presenters participants and volunteers for organizing and attending uh, and, att- and attending oh my gosh <clears throat> the, the rac canada 2020 conference and annual general meeting uh, that happened on september 20th all presentations are now available for viewing on the new rac youtube channel go give them clicks and likes and all that good stuff uh, note, unfortunately, there was a problem with the recording of the FT8 DXing presentation by Ron Schwartz, VE3VN, and it cut off about halfway through. We are now looking into the problem. Stay tuned. The other presentations are now available for viewing on, of course, that new, shiny, brand new 
RAC YouTube channel. And that came from the homepage of the RAC. Woohoo! Our brothers <laughs> to the north. Yeah. The Royal Air Canada or something. A- Ancestors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Radio Amateur <laughs> Canada. Radio Antique uh, something Frenchy. On their yeah. YouTube channel, eh? <laughs> something Frenchy. <laughs> something Frenchy, yeah. They won't be sorry if you actually, uh, uh, you won't be sorry if you actually, uh, uh, click like. <laughs> yep. This is where we need Pete. <laughs> yeah, I don't do voices very well. No, we need. I yeah. think about them very well, but I don't do them very well. <laughs> yep. Same here. Same here. All right. So very good. And moving on, we have stuff about AMSAT because we can't go at least a couple episodes without talking about satellites somehow. Woo-hoo. Well, we're gonna get you into them eventually. Yeah, I know. That's 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 been a discussion. We had a discussion today about getting into satellites. We'll see. We know uh, Tony's trying to get into satellites. We know Don does satellites. Satellites—they're all the rage. And Neil, that's a wrap. That's his big thing. Satellites. Satellites. So uh, the AMSAT Board of Directors elections results have come in. Mark Hammond at N8MH. Paul Stetzer N8HM. Okay, that is <laughs> <laughs> creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and Bruce Page, KK5DO, have been elected as directors of the corporation for terms ending in 2022. Is that like seriously just coincidental? I mean, yeah, I think so. That's pretty funny, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Howie DeFelice, AB2S, has been elected as first alternate director of the corporation for a term ending in 2021. Bob McGuire, N4HY, has been elected as second alternative director to the corporation for the term ending in 2021. The secretary thanks the candidates for their cooperation during the election process, those who observed the counting for their time and scrutiny, and the members of the corporation for their interest and participation. And, shockingly, that came from AMSAT. (laughs) (laughs) The weekly bulletin. I know, the AMSAT weekly bulletin. Where, where N8MH and N8HM. I, mean, I just ha- checked them. They're they're correct. So. No, I'm sure they're correct. It's just how weird. weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, very interesting. So so how many times is that going to get confused? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who am I working again? Yeah. I'm going to have to look it up here. Uh, anyway, so speaking of satellites... Cheryl, yeah. do you want to do you want to read a satellite sure. story? Okay, uh, this is a bill cut and paste, so everybody just stand oh, by for wow. for Cheryl to absolutely for butcher any, it for any butchering that happens, for any badgering butcher, butcher, butcher. that goes on. Yeah, all right, let's go for it. Why do you make me do this with Bill stuff? Well, they're all Bill stuff, so you didn't have a choice. So, <laughs> thanks. All right. So, our next story is the A zero or A O seven approaching return to full illumination. AO7 is approaching a full return to full illumination sometime around September 25th. This period will last until approximately December 26th. During the time, it's likely AO7 will switch between modes A and B, uh, 2 meter, 10 meter, and 70 centimeter, 2 meter, every 24 hours. Get those 10 meter antennas ready to enjoy mode A every other day. On another mode, excuse me, another note, here's a reminder and a request to remember to keep the power down. Recently, I've observed sometimes several different stations, usually in the middle of the pass band, drifting away on CW, ditting away on CW, excuse me, in an attempt to find themselves. This often bounces the entire pass band up and down and sometimes causes the transponder to reset or flip to mode A. Try to find yourself with very low power or on SSB or best with full Doppler control and the other users will thank you. 
If you have to use high power to find yourself, your receiving antenna and system probably needs improvement. SSB users should also watch their uplink power carefully. And this came from the AMSAT Weekly Bulletin. Yeah, with all the wildfires down here, you don't want to send something up too hot and set one of those birds on fire. You know? <laughs> 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 yeah, that's uh, funny. Yeah, awesome. Mode A. So that that's when you use a two meter up and 10 meters down. So that uh, that's like old school. <laughs> I remember working a lot of mode A on the uh, on the RS birds uh, back when I did satellites, and it's pretty fun. It it, it is a lot of fun to do that because hey, everybody's got HF, right? So uh, yeah, all you need is that two meter all mode rig. Which hey, you got don't you? You uh, got yeah. you got one now. Yeah, I have one now. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. You are you are all set for mode A. And you just, you know, have your uh, Ken Wood sitting there on 10 meters and two meters up, and you can probably work them, probably with, uh, you know, with the vertical, maybe. You could try. Yeah, if it was a, <laughs> it's a reasonably high pass, probably probably not a straight overhead pass, maybe, but maybe something at, like, 70 degrees or something probably wouldn't be too no, bad. I'd say anything over, anything over, like, 40, 40 degrees is going to be fine. Yeah, I might give that a shot. Straight over top, you should probably have a null, so that probably wouldn't work out very well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was a, it was a 90 degree <clears> pass. <throat> it's probably not happening, not on a vertical, but yeah. But I did all my mode A stuff just with a horizontal, you know, antenna with a rotor. So, and then I used a 10 meter vertical. What is this rotor that you speak of? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I only had one for a little while, and I, I don't have one anymore. So <laughs> I have to use a strong arm. <laughs> I make the sound too, so it, I, I can you know pretend that I really have a rotor. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, just like s- silly, stupid, funny anecdote. I have a friend. His name is Jordan, and he helps me out with vehicular things at some time. Um, and he, he uses one of those, um, he uses a torque wrench that has, it's not, it's not the clicky type of torque wrench. It's the one that just has the bar on it that swings. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Um, but he has this thing when it gets to torque, he makes the click noise. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's torqued. (laughs) Yeah, he's a little weird. He's a little weird, but he's, he's I can appreciate that. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that was it for amateur radio tonight. We're we're just cruising on through right now. We're we're sliding into open source, and Bill has an interesting topic about open source, which I pared down. Hopefully, it still reads okay. Um, but go for it. Yeah, I love reading straight copy here. It's good. <laughs> Linux Journal is back. Yeah, that's right. As of today, and I don't know if that's today, but it might be yesterday, but it could be a few days ago, considering this podcast comes out later than we record it. Uh, Linux Journal is back and operating under the ownership of slash dot media. That's right. The same slash dot at slash dot. So there you go. Um, as Linux enthusiasts and longtime fans of the Linux Journal, we are disappointed to hear about the Linux Journal closing its doors last year. It took some time, but unfortunately, oh, sorry, but fortunately, we were able to get a deal done that allows us to keep the journal, keep, uh, uh, allows us to keep the Linux Journal alive now and indefinitely. It is important that that amazing resources like Linux Journal never disappear. We will begin publishing digital content again soon as we can. Our immediate goal is to familiarize ourselves with the Linux kernel, or sorry, Linux Journal. I just keep on saying kernel. <laughs> Linux Journal website and ensure it doesn't ever get shut down again. Um, hopefully it doesn't get slashed out of it and shut down. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, many of you uh, can, are probably already aware of slash dot media. This is, of course, 
self-fulfilling here. Um, but for those of you who aren't, uh, we own and operate Slashdot and SourceForge, two iconic open source software and technology websites that have been around for decades. We didn't always own SourceForge, but we acquired it in 2016 and immediately ruined it. I mean, I say immediately <laughs> began improving it. <laughs> Man, you really messed up this whole read here. And uh, have since come along a way, have come a long way in restoring and growing one of the most important resources in open source. Uh, we'd like to do the same here. We're ecstatic to be able to take the helm at Linux Journal and ensure that this legendary Linux resource and community not only stays alive forever, but continues to grow and improve. Reach out if you'd like to get involved. And this course came straight from the Linux Journal. And I believe it was also on Slashdot. Imagine, imagine them. Imagine. Can't imagine how that made it over to Slashdot. And they probably didn't get Slashdot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I I didn't put that that SourceForge sucked, even though it kind of does. I mean, it's, <laughs> it does. they had that problem for a little while too, where they were taking packages and installing crap with it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember that. That was a little while back. But yes, and it's just the SourceForge interface is just horrendous. It's it's awful. Well, but. it's never really improved. <laughs> it's kind of always been bad, and it just continues to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> funny funny story though something we're going to be talking about later i had to download from there today so did i yes i bet you did <laughs> uh anyway let's move on we have a story about postgresql version 13 has been released the postgresql global development group today announced the release of postgresql 13 the latest version of the world's most advanced open source database says them PostgreSQL 13 includes significant improvements to its indexing and lookup systems that benefit large databases, including space savings and performance gains for indexes, faster response times for queries that use aggregates or partitions, better query planning when using enhanced statistics, and more. Along with highly requested features like parallelized vacuuming and incremental sorting, wow, lots of big words, PostgreSQL 13 provides a better data management experience for workloads big and small with optimizations for daily administration, more conveniences for application developers, and security enhancements. This sounds like PR. Got <laughs> <laughs> the marketing release here. It is a marketing release. Um, building on work from the previous PostgreSQL releases, PostgreSQL 13 can efficiently handle duplicate data in B-tree indexes, the standard database index. This lowers the overall space usage the B-tree indexes require while improving overall query performance. PostgreSQL 13 introduces incremental sorting, where sorted data from an earlier step in a query can accelerate sorting at a later step. Additionally, PostgreSQL can now use the extended statistics system access via create statistics to create improved plans for queries with or clauses and in slash any lookups over lists. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more to that story that is not in here. And that did come from a PR site. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very markety speaky. But it didn't, didn't even go right to the source. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, it's where I found it. So I, I wasn't going to try and find the link back. It's whatever. There's, there's a link to this story. So if there's a link back to it, then then you can do the work on your own. And so lots of interesting stuff about a database I never used. So excellent. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty, uh, pretty decent database. <clears throat> it is a good database. It's just, it's, it's one of those things like we've had this discussion before where the one you start with, like pick an editor, the one you start with is probably the one you still use. 
Yeah. Um, so if you got your start with Postgres, you're probably still using it. If you got your start with MySQL, you're probably still using it. If you got your start with Oracle, you've shot yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've run away from it as fast as you can, <laughs> screaming bloody murder. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah. A new release of PostgreSQL. It does. There's a lot of stuff in that story. So if if you are heavy into databases and Bill's a DBA, so I know he is. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting things there. So do you want to do one more story? Sure. Okay, go for it. Okay. Or maybe we should see if Richard wants to read a story. Yeah. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> oh, you guys really want me to mess up and make you turn <laughs> you, the thing off? You, you uh, cannot uh, do any worse than we do. Hey, I'm a little out of practice, though, and uh, <laughs> uh, my reading skills aren't that great. Y'all, y'all carry on. I, I can get back in here in a minute. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, we'll let Cheryl ruin this one, then. Thanks. Well, we've already ruined the first five, so. Yeah, work. absolutely. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. So our next story is Lenovo expands Linux ready computer line. As the next step in its Linux expansion program, Lenovo on Wednesday announced the launch of a Linux-ready ThinkPad and ThinkStation PCs pre-installed with Canonical's popular Ubuntu technology. Ubuntu is not a distro anymore. It is now technology. Yes. It's magical. It's magical. <laughs> Poof. Magic. The company now also brings Linux certification to its ThinkPad and ThinkStation workstation portfolio, along with easing development for developers and data scientists. Lenovo is moving to certify the full workstation portfolio for top, excuse me, top Linux distributions from both Ubuntu and Red Hat. This includes every model and configuration. This expansion brings increased accessibility to open source apps, libraries, and tools to enhance developers' productivity. This offers a seamless out-of-the-box experience for those who previously braved the often time-consuming process of loading Linux onto their Lenovo dice devices themselves. Sounds like a problem with Lenovo. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> Lenovo's have always been great with Linux. Uh, you know, how hard is it to put a thumb drive in and click install? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If you're, if you're going to talk about a certain distribution that we might talk about in a minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. The announcement comes on the heels of Lenovo's release of computers redunning. Uh, redunning. Right. Wow. <laughs> okay. Running. I'm looking that one up. So. <laughs> redunning. Okay. <laughs> running for Linux desktop. The events marked a double milestone for Lenovo. This was the first time Fedora shipped pre-installed on a laptop from a major vendor. It's also the first time one of the largest laptop makers sold directly to consumers premium laptops with the Linux desktop OS pre-installed. Is that like a, a snub at Dell? <laughs> I was getting ready to say because we've bought Dell computers with Linux installed on them. Uh, I don't know. It might be an offhanded uh, rebuke. Must uh, be like premium laptop, not the crap that Dell sells. Nah, yeah, not the crap. That, yeah, so. you know all my Dells run just fine. I don't, I don't have any issue with Dell whatsoever. Or like they actually have have sold one laptop with Fedora on it. So that's what they're they're, they're oh, saying. Yeah, this is go. the first time Fedora ship pre-installed. We actually have the very first person <laughs> that clicked the buy now button, and uh, we're so happy that we've spent all this time on this PR campaign that we're just now talking about shipping the very first one. <laughs> I like your spin magic tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, speaking of uh, spinning, my computer did a lot of that when I was trying to install this next thing we're going to talk about, which is not technically Linux in the ham shack. But oh, my God. You did it, too. <laughs> I did what, too? You installed, installed it, too? Well, I attempted to. Yeah, Bill, <laughs> Bill apparently tried it as well. So. I, I attempted to install it a couple times. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, let's go. I'll let Bill uh, take this one because I didn't get very far. I, I did. I actually saw a desktop, but that's as far as I could go. So. Hey, well, that's good. That's that. I got to that too. Well, not the first time. The second time. <laughs> or maybe well, it was the third or fourth. It was the first time because you were short RAM in your VM. No, no, it was because I had the wrong video driver. Oh well, it was because I was short on RAM in the VM the first time because the live install or the live ISO wants you to have at least four gigabytes of RAM, and if you don't, uh, it basically uh, drops out to a rescue cell and says, "I don't know what to do." I'm so sad. Well, yeah. See, I mean, I I put eight gigs at it to start with, and four. Well, my machine only has eight gigs four, in it. So. Four processors. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is on my big machine. So, what we're talking about is is furry. Uh, oh, fury. Sorry, <laughs> fury BSD. And I'm not really sure why I picked this because, well, it was it was recently released. So the releases from the seventh, they uh, have a new what they call their Q3 release. And this is a free BSD based uh, BSD distribution. It comes with uh, either uh, uh, spun up w- with KDE as the the main desktop in- environment, or uh, they have an XFCE download as well. And after my experience with Ghost BSD, I was kind of looking forward to this, saying, "Oh man, you know, this might be like you know a thing." They have uh, several of these distributions that are just you know solid, you know, good installer and everything else. Well. I was sadly mistaken <laughs> that uh, this one was, uh, A, not very easy to get started because uh, the first time I started it in vir- VirtualBox, and I'm running a very recent version of it. What am I running? 6.1. So, <clears throat> and it doesn't like, it does not like, let me go to my settings here. It does not like the default VMS uh, display VGA. driver. Yeah, the VMS VGA. You have to switch it to VBox VGA if you actually want to see the screen properly when it boots up in the uh in the um in the live distribution. So once you do get uh, get past that and as Russ said you have enough RAM attached to your VM that it'll actually boot into a graphical environment. Um yeah, you'll 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 get presented with a uh you know, kind of a decent wallpaper and uh, kde if you like that stuff i don't really like kde but i figured i would take a dip in it anyway i did the xfce so oh you did the xfce okay well cool (laughs) (laughs) totally different experience um so yeah the uh the installer was not a simple installer although i kind of just clicked through it because i've you know kind of gone through the bsd installer a few times so i felt fairly confident i'd done it right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I probably, uh, I, I didn't, <laughs> I still can't get my user to actually install packages, which is disappointing. Um, I can search for packages and I can find packages, but I can't install them because for some reason my user's not in the wheel group and I haven't fixed that yet <laughs> by logging in as root on a, on a shell. So, uh, so I haven't gotten that far. Um, and you know, when I did, I actually installed it twice. So the second time I installed it, <clears throat> I did type in, I wanted my user to also be added to wheel, which in theory adds you to the SU doers group. And, um, it said it couldn't find that group. So 
I'm not sure if you ran into that when you installed it. I, I never got that far. I couldn't get past the live ISO boot. So, oh, I, okay. So you never even got past the live. Okay. So yeah, that's yeah. On the live ISO boot, once you get there, it does have a, you know, a, an icon on the desktop for, you know, installing it. So the install went fine. Definitely not as fast as, uh, um, as ghost BSD was and, and definitely not as clean. Um, you see a, you see a very verbose file copy going on between your mounted drive, you know, you know the, the mounted drive for the, uh, live OS and the, uh, and the true rooted system. So, uh, it takes a little longer to get it installed. Once you do start that installation procedure, you are kind of driven through a more manual text driven or dare I say curses driven, uh, install routine where you have to type in stuff and, you know, feedback from the screen, blah, 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 all in the console. Um, you know, once it installed it, uh, you know, booted up fine, it gets into the environment. You get a, you know, the, the pretty, pretty, uh, you know, desktop, uh, greeter. Um, you just type in your password, what have you. Um, the, the, uh, the discover software center appears broken. So that is their, sort of find your application stuff. So mine says it's not connected to the internet when I go into it. And then it says, oh, no application backends found. Please report this to your distribution. So I kind of got the feeling that, oh, this thing is probably a little, little young, <laughs> a little, little, little wet behind the ears type thing. <laughs> um, so then I was like, okay, well, I'll install it via package. Or PKG, and uh, oh, there, 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 you go. I find out that I'm I can't even install because I can't sudo it, and uh, it hates me. So uh, anyway, so if you were to actually get your user installed properly, I'm assuming, and you were able to package install stuff, uh, there is ham radio stuff available in the repo, just like is available, you know, to GhostBSD. So FL Digi's up there at 4.1.13, FL Rigs there 1.3.5. Uh, it does have CQR log at 2.40. Uh, G Predict is there at 2.2.1, and WSJTX is at 2.1.2. So very similar to the Ubuntu land stuff right now. Um, so I would assume that if you actually could install it properly and get your user properly configured where you could run stuff, <laughs> run the elevated privileges to install packages, that you could probably get Linux stuff running on here much like you can with GhostBSD. However, I would recommend GhostBSD over this turd. <laughs> oh well you know it might be just me maybe i'm i just don't know how to install it properly um i could do it, go install it for the third time maybe and uh, see if a uh, you know third three times a charm or something like that but you know we'll uh I, i'm gonna be real reserved with this uh, uh lhs readiness score and give it a give it a solid one for effort and uh yeah i would uh i would definitely if you want to go into the uh what was it? Bacon sugar Doonesbury land. Um, <laughs> yes. you, uh, <laughs> you, you want to, uh, you want to probably go with ghost BSD, which we have recommended in the past. Um, just because it, it does work and it's actually quite simple to get it up and running. If you want to play around with the BSD land and yes, we are Linux in the ham shack, but, uh, I really did this for, uh, for Rich's, uh, uh, benefit. So he could add this to his, uh, his stuff he's gathering for that BSD in the ham shack thing that, uh, we keep teasing him about every time we see him. So, uh, maybe next time we see him, we can 
mentioned this to him or maybe he'll catch it on the show because he does definitely leaves us a lot of feedback (laughs) (laughs) so this is one he can play with (laughs) right we say bsd in the ham shack enough maybe he'll just get annoyed enough to put out another episode we'll see yeah i keep keep trying i do i (laughs) wondered how much how much uh how much production value you can put in there again you know i love that like boom bow bow Yeah, but yeah, that's all I have on that. I can't really recommend it uh, beyond just uh, if you want to experiment with it. Eh, it's it's not a bad thing to experiment with. So yeah, it might work better on bare metal as well. I mean, I I had some real issues that I might have had issues with the VGA driver as well. And uh, XFCE should definitely have run faster than KDE, and it was just dog slow. It was eating up all the resources on my machine, which oh, is wow. not super robust. But I mean. It, it should have handled one BSD VM. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, I'm going to give it another try because it, it kind of looks interesting. And I thought the, the initial desktop, what I saw of it looked pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we're going to have to revisit it for sure. And I think, uh, one is a good, good placeholder review for it now in the sense that we really don't have anything to review because <laughs> didn't really test anything. So. Um, but next time we talk about Fury BSD, we'll have a real score. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can actually get beyond these, uh, few hiccups that are preventing, uh, testing the actual software and everything else. But, uh, I definitely think it's, it's possible. It's just, I'm not, my user is not set up properly and that's, that's the issue. The real issue. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, so that is all we have for Linux slash BSD in the ham shack for this episode. But we do have that lurker in the background who hasn't said much up till now. So maybe we should find out if there's something he wants to say. Well, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, Russ only likes it because he's got the little devil guy on the desktop. <laughs> he's into that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. I do use Microsoft Windows every once in a while. So, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> summoning demons and worshiping devils and, and all and that. And things so. like that. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. I, I have rediscovered the, the, the wonders of uh, Windows myself lately, uh, not by choice. However, um, yeah, you have to be a sadist to use Windows. Are, are you not using Windows right now? Yeah. I'm sorry. You have to be a masochist to use Windows. <laughs> yes. yes um, actually, uh, yeah, I per- Russ, you know I can't wipe a wipe an operating system if it's pre-installed on something. I have to wait for ten minutes or fifteen minutes for it to become unusable. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, that does that does bring up something I am annoyed with Dell about, though. Oh, uh, well, apparently, if you don't pay for their high-end tech support, the pro support or whatever they call it, yeah, pro support. Um, if you don't, I think I may have mentioned this before. Sorry if I'm re- repeating myself. I'll make it quick. Uh, but if you don't have the support assistant and Windows on the machine that you get, they will not support it at all. So, oh, the support assistant app. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, that's why, you know, that's why I buy junk used equipment because I don't have to worry about them supporting it. If I, if it ain't working for me, I'll take it apart and make it into another machine. Franken <laughs> machine. Yep. Well, I do have to say, I mean, I've, I've experienced Dell support, pro support several times and, uh, they're pretty good. No, no, no. Like, I, I, pro support is fine. I'm saying yeah. the, ba- the basic support. <clears throat> if you, if you are not running Windows, and don't have support assistant on your machine, 
Yeah. They will not support you. And that's, that's like their default level of support for, for most machines. You have to, um, you have to pay a premium for personal. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of a pain in the arse, if you will. But that was for our Canadian and English friends. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pro support just ran out on my uh, XPS 13, so I'm sure that thing's going to go uh, tits up soon. <laughs> yes, you you got three days. Back it up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, since it, we, it, it sounds like the support issue is starting to sound like BSD. I mean, Apple. Well, you know what? I've never dealt with Apple support. Never once in my life have I called Apple support. I'm not sure why. I don't, I'm not sure whether that's because I just don't want to deal with it or my machines have actually been that flawless, but no. I have never talked to Apple support. No, it's just you destroy them so poorly, uh. effectively that you know it'd be an embarrassment to go to support. So you just go buy a new one. Yeah, that's probably true. I had to call Apple support on the, um, the cute little computer we had at the house. Something happened with like the hard drive or something in it. What a cute little the little the red computer? Oh, that thing. Yeah, yeah. But you must have called him because I don't recall. Yeah, no, it. something happened and you were gone, and you said you're off to call Apple about it. Oh, that was one of those um, first or second gen IMAX the oh. the the red over oh, the red blue and green, green ones, and purple maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Running Mac OS nine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Something something right after the the seven dot. Um, classic mac os whatever whatever that was yeah i, I remember having one of those <laughs> actually yeah. i think we had two of those yeah we did when did, when did computers start coming in colors <laughs> oh this was like the early 90s computers have always come in colors or early they've, they've always been yeah. black or white mine has a little gray on it uh and, and <laughs> something that's kind of tan in color i believe it's a piece of an oatmeal cookie well, I will say, I will say that, um, my Mac mini here is gray with streaks of white and that is age appropriate at this point. Nice. <laughs> it's matching your hair. Is that what you're saying? Yes. It's getting as old as I am. Yeah. The sad part is I can't find one that matches mine because, um, you know, they don't make one that's uh, kind of a grayish color and, uh, bald. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're gray and bald okay <laughs> that that must be time. go watch the videos <laughs> he's salt yeah. and pepper bald yeah there you go. yeah yeah <laughs> uh yes i i do remember like the you know real old machines tended to be um tan and then then it was like a big deal when they became white and uh you know, it's like, oh, no, we can't switch from beige to white or, you know, off white. <laughs> and then then there was a huge deal when the first black one came out. It's like, oh, my goodness, black computers. Whoever thought black computers? Satanic. <laughs> yeah. The uh, IBM PS2 was black, wasn't it? The PS2? No, I thought all the I, I thought all the it IBM PCs tan, were, probably, were tan or tan. white. Yeah. It was uh, Max. Max were mostly tan, the early ones. I can't remember what my XT, what color my XT was. I all was all of my early XTs were white. They they were all white. My yeah, I had an I had an AT and T PC that had that was white with a black front, and that that was like racy. 
Yeah, well, this one, it, it was like really old. It was like six or seven megahertz, and I think it was like kind of tan with some uh, silver trim on it. Salt and pepper? <laughs> and bold? Yeah, silver. And bold. <laughs> and yeah. I'll tell you what, we don't call that bold around here. We call that aerodynamically efficient. Well, fair, fair enough. Bill's pretty close to aerodynamically efficient. I am sort of the opposite. <laughs> I like keeping things short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you got that long, lovely, luscious mane of hair, and <laughs> you piss me off. <laughs> well, good. As long as things are working right. Um. <laughs> so maybe we should do the social media roundup while we're here and kind of get things closer to a close. Okay. All right. Social media roundup it is. All right. So here we go. For our Patreons, we have Richard Gordon, Andy Webster, Cubicle Nate, Darren King, David Jakeway, Donald Gover, Ungl- Ugh, Douglas Redder, Erner Costales, Herb Garcia, John Spriggs, Peter Caffrey, Paul Griffith, Randolph Smith, Robert Pitt, Samuel Vimes, Steve Metcalf, Steve Sainer, William Heckelman, and Jonas Rulo. For our subscriptions, we have Wayne Hale, which is new. Welcome aboard. We have Howard Dittmer, Mark Farrell, A. Taylor, Peter Spots, Robert Black, Randolph Smith, Robert Halliday, James Lewis, Fred Cole, Michael Burdak, Alan Wilson, Ronald Ike, Michael Connolly, Steve Biella, Jim McKenzie, Dylan Engel, Johnny Kinsey, Robert Yerke, Bill Piotr, Darren King, Thor Wiegman, Todd Bowers, Kevin Ivey, John Clark, Bill Collins, Jeff Zimmerman, Tony Coberly, Roger Pereira, Jeffrey Boris, Michael Carey, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling. On Facebook, we had Eric Nelson and Frank, uh, Frank Gocknor. Uh, that's probably not right. That joined us on Twitter. We had at Nick Mortel, at Winderslide, at D- JT Butcher, and at Daniel W five four five seven four seven seven six. There's a lot of numbers there. <laughs> Sounds fake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a real profile and everything, but obviously people are allowed to choose a randomly generated. Uh, suffix yeah. for their for their username so yeah yeah so what the heck you know on youtube we had juan marcelo rodriguez and nick mortel nobody joined us on the mailing list and there were no merchandise sales this week that's true but there we go all right y'all get on there and buy some stuff yeah buy some stuff yeah we got stuff to buy kind we of stuff to sell all right yeah we have stuff to sell too <laughs> <laughs> I, I always, no, no, we don't need to buy stuff. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm always buying stuff. You're always buying stuff. You're you're keeping China in business single handedly right now. That's what AliExpress is for. <laughs> I was talking to the listeners. You know, I can make them mad. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, okay. Well, we should probably mention the folks who are in the chat room. Did, did anybody see anybody pop in that is not in this list already? I didn't. I didn't. No, it's been quiet. It's been quiet, yeah. Tony's usually here, but I haven't seen him, so maybe he's uh, snuggled up in his hotel room tonight. Who knows? Uh, but we had Don, KC9ZMY, Tom, and 4HAI. Yes, that's right. I did it normally. Uh. <laughs> Ted, WA0EIR, and Gene, BX8AAD. So thanks to those folks. And of course, we had Richard. We had Richard here, KB5JBV. Can't forget that. So, uh, do you want to do one of your classic outros to get us out of here? Well, yeah, 
but I want to do some shameless self-promotion before I do that. Oh, well, well, I, go su- for it. I suppose we can let you do that first. Everyone in Linux is in the ham shack, and uh, he has returned. <laughs> we are currently, we have uh, re- rebooted the, uh, uh, what's the name of it, guys? Uh, the Resonant Frequency Podcast website. It's out there at the same URL it was. We're slowly adding the older episodes of uh, Resonant Frequency. Hopefully, by the time we get to episode 52, I will have the room to put my studio back together, and we can continue on. Uh, we are currently doing Richard Radio Adventures. Uh, some of them are a little angry, but that's okay. Uh, just do not, for any reason... Listen to the ones that have alcohol-fueled appended to them. Please do not listen to those. Whatever you do, do not listen to those. Because, yeah, it's like the devil guy on the dashboard, okay? Do not, for any reason, listen to those. And we're also uh, starting to work our way back into videos. We took a stab at it early on, and... uh, it kind of fell by the wayside. However, we do have some fresh new ones up there, and that's over on YouTube. Just look for me over there. Um, let's see what else. Oh, yeah, the good, the fun stuff. We'll talk about the fun stuff next time, I think. But, um, yeah, uh, look for me on YouTube. Look for me on Facebook. We also have a group over there that I rediscovered. I had forgotten was there. Um yeah, we got all kinds of stuff going on, and we're gradually working our way back into this. So uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna make Russ uh, sit there, and he's gonna take another sip, smoke on his cigar, shake his head, and she, and Cheryl's gonna shake her head. <laughs> and I don't know about Bill because I don't know him that well, but he's probably shaking his head too, or he's doing like I've been doing since the show started. And looking around this studio for the gal who does that, the the, uh, voiceover on the outro, and I can't find her anywhere. I'm currently (laughs) sitting in one of the drawers, one of the desk drawers, uh, taking a break, and then I'm going to get back to hunting for her again. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll let you uh, do one of your classic outros here. I don't have my soundboard hooked up anymore, so uh, we haven't done one of yours in, in a long time. But uh, when Bill, what's what's the opposite of an intro? When he extros himself, uh, feel free to uh, <laughs> say something. To jump in, and uh, we'll wrap this thing up. So thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks Richard for being here. We appreciate it, and we hope you all have a good week. And we'll catch you next time around uh, for our deep dive episode. So make sure you're tuned in for that. We don't know what it's going to be yet, but. We'll make an announcement. Well, we're not, we're not doing show next week, right? Well, there's not going to be a live recording on Thursday night, but there's, there may be a show. We, we haven't figured all that out yet. Gotcha. Okay. So with all that being said, this has been episode number 370 of Linux in the Hamjack. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD73. Oh yeah. And I'm Richard KB5JBV. They've put up with me tonight. Now, I'm going to look over here behind this TV for that gal. Thanks.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash NHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-NHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.